Okay, here we go. The Pen and Maggie Show. He's about to get crazy and wild. Stay for a while. Don't touch your radio dial. The Pen Show. Kicking it back. Sports talk. Listen to that and stay tuned for some giggles and last go. <laughs> Whoa. I didn't get a check for eight grand from the government. They just, among other things. Does that make any sense to anybody or is it just me? <laughs> Welcome to the Planet Mikey Show. It's just you, Joe. <laughs> it, it only makes sense to you. Just like every thought that comes escaping through the haze of your your uh, ancient warrior. <laughs> I don't want to say. I don't want to say. I don't want to jump on the guy. The guy just got over two cases of COVID, and now I'm going to make fun of him because he's a totally uh, senile. You do have a mean streak. No, but he's senile. I don't want to make fun of senile people. I could end up there myself. It's the moment you've been waiting for, friends. It's the weekly drop of the finest, most well-crafted podcast in the entire United States, the 48 Contiguous. I don't listen to any podcasts out of either Hawaii or Alaska, so I can't speak to that. Okay. We kicked the shit out of the Idaho podcast, I'll tell you that right now. Bill Smith, he's our Yoda. Yeah, thank you. He, now, he's a Yoda who can yodel. And we won't do that on tonight's show. No, no, no. He forgot his Ricola. <laughs> oh, God. And he, by the way, our Yoda, Bill Smith, is going to have a well-deserved vacation next week. In fact, all of us are going to have a vacation because we can't do the podcast without Bill Smith. <laughs> right, Ben? Right. That's right. The August 9th show, one week from the, this droppage, uh, will not be a show. We will all be laying on beaches somewhere, trying to look down the front tops of the bathing suits of the young babes uh, alongside us. What could go wrong? Everything. <laughs> but that's next week, so we won't worry about that, right, Yoda? That's correct. The right reason, Yoda, because he's very good. At, he's, a, he's like an advisor to the entire galactic community. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's an experienced guy. It's not easy being me. And he's short and green. Bill does every single commercial for Odyssey. <laughs> Everyone. For the last 10 years. If you gave him a dollar for every commercial he's ever done for the Odyssey or slash Entercom, used to be known as Entercom, company, he'd have a million dollars. That's right. We'd be living large. And if you had a million dollars, you'd be rich. I would. Ben Kitchen, un- underappreciated air talent. I say this in, with, in all seriousness. He should be on the air somewhere. Like uh, Des Moines. Des Moines. No, big mm-hmm. yeah. Des Moines. <laughs> no, you should be on the. In fact, all three of us, if we worked together and did a radio show, yeah, we would flip the ratings charts upside down. You, the, the three of us. You know why? Why? Because we're like wicked smart. We're smart. We get along. We have chemistry. We're like the the three. Remember the three amigos? It was Martin Short, Steve Martin, and uh, Chevy Chase. Remember that movie? Yes. Uh, we we like. Th- that's it. Why? There's that song. When they sang together. Let's do a little verse of it right now for the podcast listening audience. Three amigos. Blue shadows on the train. It's Martin Short. Steve Martin takes a deep breath. You're really going to do play-by-play of this scene? I love it. All right, that's enough. I just want to give it to people. We good. have camaraderie amongst the three of us. That's correct. And drugs. Did you say we're communists? 
Now, Ben, are you going to have a radio show soon? Because, you know, I know a couple of stations that could use your skills. I've had a JV one for five years. 1510 The Zone. There you go. I'm kidding. They are going to have one live local show on The Zone or the score in Providence. You heard about that, right? Yeah, I new sports that. station yeah. popping. The scores yeah. being revitalized yeah. in Providence. They haven't called one live. It's Jim Rome and whatever national bullshit. Yeah, Jim so Rome. It's just a syndicated thing. Yeah, yeah. just one daily live local. Yeah. How are they going to sell that? Uh, you know who we should ask? We should ask a guy who knows how to sell radio, yeah. sports <laughs> radio in particular. Yeah. Although he and he also, since I I worked at WEI what six years ago. Yeah. Since I left there, this guy has become like a, a self-proclaimed guru of baseball knowledge on that same very same radio yeah, station. Funny how it rubs off on you. And I'm surprised. You should stop rubbing off on me. <laughs> Jim Hackett, who's a sales representative uh, at uh, WEEI, I'm surprised that his show that he does on that station, which is what, is it 2 to 6 a.m.? Thursday. <laughs> I, it, but it's not sold out, and he's the number one sales rep at the station. I mean, you, I, I'm shocked he can't sell out his own show. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jim Hackett joins us now for some Ted Williams slash Poppy Talk. Hey, Jim! Mikey, what's up, man? Great to hear your voice. Ben, Bill, good talking and hearing you guys, too. You know, Jim, people like you. I don't understand because most times they don't like the sales reps. You know, but you, know, you, you have a net. That was an Ordway, Ordway cast us, uh, you know, under a bad light. Sales you, weasels. Yeah, uh, pers- yeah, persuasion there for a long time. You know, <laughs> a million listeners or so calling us weasels every day didn't help. Yeah. Uh, no, but <laughs> someone has to do it. Someone has to bring in the money to That's pay true. the high paid talent. True. The backbone of the industry. Yeah, I mean, who's yeah. going to, if, if the sales reps don't bring in the money, who's going to pay Mutt his $35,000 a year? It's true. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we stew over that. We worry about stuff like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> You know, what's funny about him is that I thought for sure that he would be the next spokesman for uh, Dr. Leonard and Leonard Hair Transplant Associates because of, of what Dr. Leonard did for his back. Oh, oh man! I mean, much got much. Got. <laughs> Ouch! Much can't Ouch. even get. I, I would be happy to go to Doctor Hunter too, Mike. Like you, I don't want to pay them. I want no. them to give it to well. me gratis. You know, I need to get more airtime so they can, you know, be Mutt, worthy of an endorsement. Mud has got so much back hair, Jim. I'm surprised he can get out of a corduroy chair without a, a, a noise of violation. <laughs> Ouch! It's like a rip, rip, you know. But uh, no, poor Mud. No, I'm sure Mud's uh, probably a good guy. I think he's happy now with all the sports betting uh, finally getting passed. So he's in a good space. You, you too. You like to gamble. A I like bit, to gamble so. a little bit, you know. But yeah. when it comes to much happiness, fuck him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tell I us how you really feel. <laughs> I know we're having some fun here, aren't we? Now, Jim Hackett, I saw you. I follow you on Twitter. You follow me on Twitter. We we tweet. We yes, both sir. tweet. And we, you you put out a tweet, and I took issue with it, being an old school guy. And it's ne- you know, Jim, it's not personal because I like you. You know, I like you, hundred percent. Sit right back at you, man. So and I believe me, I put out this tweet. I'm, I'm going to let you set it up. Well, but it wasn't without trepidation. I knew something was coming. I it, I wasn't sure it was going to be you. Here but it I knew is. Something was coming. Here's a, here's a clip from our last show. So Jim Hackett, you know the sales rep, he put on Twitter and he said, "All due respect to Ted Williams, sorry Ted, but Poppy's the greatest Red Sox that ever lived." Now, I love Poppy. Okay, we're personal friends. I said, Poppy, am I your best friend? He goes, Of course, man. (laughs) And so I. Why'd you have him shot? (laughs) (laughs) 
It was about a woman. No, no. Mm. Now, Poppy is wonderful. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's great. I love him. All the things he did, he was, and, and you've said, I think, was the greatest clutch hitter of all time. I think maybe you're right. And I watched, a million percent. I watched yep. all of Yaz's clutch hitting, and it was huge. But Poppy has to take that trophy, okay? So I will grant you that. But you can't say that Ted Williams was not the better, the greatest all-time Red Sox player. And if you think you can, go ahead and defend yourself. Well, here's what I'm going to say, okay? I'm going to disarm you a little bit because I'm not going to try to make a like statistical Dave Dr- argument. Like here. Dave Dravecki. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You okay. dis- disarm me? <laughs> I'm going to absolutely disarm you. because Ted Williams is the greatest. It's only a flesh wound. <laughs> He's, he is the greatest hitter of all time. It's unquestioned. Okay. Any planet, any galaxy, any universe. So how can Poppy story. be better than the my, greatest hitter of all but, time? But my argument is that David Ortiz is the greatest Red Sox of all time. And it, it's not just about the hitting, Mikey. And it, it encapsulates a lot. And well, a he's lot a DH. Of is, he didn't do any fielding. A little bit. <laughs> no, he didn't pitch. He got a little bit. But, but, but hear me out. Let's, we'll just put that aside. All right, go ahead. This is, this is where I'm coming from. You're from these parts, okay? We as Boston sports fans, we're an enigma – Specifically, I think, because of the Red Sox. You know, the 86-year quest for a World Series with all the lumps along the way, okay? Sure. And I was eight years old in 78. I was in my bedroom crying when they lost, when, 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 you know, when Bucky Dent hit the home run, the whole thing. Which isn't unusual because you were always in your bedroom crying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's not unusual. We should put a disclaimer on that one. But, (laughs) But, you know, in 86, I didn't go to school for like two days. I sat down on the park. So, believe me. Part of the long suffering, okay, yeah. and, and part of what to me what makes David Ortiz the greatest is regard uh, the greatest Red Sox, the greatest ambassador of okay. the brand, the face of the Red Sox it is is everything that goes into the story and the prominence with which he led through their first original breakthrough in 04, and 04, then again in 07, 07 and, then and 13. 13, and yeah, yes, and he did, but did he do it alone? No, of course no. not. No, okay. No, he didn't. So, of course and he, not. But he was the engine, Mikey. He, you know, he was the oh, engine. Yes, and, and even he was more the... so than Pedro at that point. Like, Pedro, Pedro kind of was, his best years were, I'd say, 98 I, I know, to 2002. but you had Manny Ramirez. You had Bill Miller with clutch yep. hitting going on. You have Dave Roberts stealing bases. You had these. You had Derek Lowe, for God's sake. He didn't do it yep. alone. And the opportunity that he had to do it was because of the, all the contributions of, yes, Poppy and all the rest of these guys to put him in a position to do that. You, Ted Williams never had that, that uh, luxury. Yeah, but there's another factor. So I've got two things I want to take umbrage on. One, one is something Ben said in that podcast, which I listened to, by the way. It was good. I appreciate Ben says some dumb shit. Um, but some, yeah, I don't really pay attention. Like, I just opened my mouth. My argument on, on some of where you're going right now is simply this, is you could only compare players within their era. Sure. You know? So, for instance, like when, when Ben had mentioned, yeah, you know, but back then you, you had to win your league and then you played in the World Series. Well, that's a two-way street. Because now, if you like last year, let's say if the, the Red Sox won. It would have taken 13 games to win the wild card, ALDS. No, but yeah, but my my point was more about having the opportunity within the playoffs, having that opportunity. So Ted Williams only got one. So I actually I actually took that point, and I know you know it's fair. So I went through and went through the you know the entire league when Ted Williams was in the league and when Ortiz was in the league, and. So I mapped it out and said, how many times would Ted Williams have made the playoffs under the format that David Ortiz played in, which was the four teams within each league and would you come up make with the right. playoffs? How many times? So uh, Ted Williams would have made it 
15 times? 15 times. Now, at Ted Williams' lifetime 344 hitter, do you think that he would have compiled any postseason numbers if he'd had 15 opportunities to do it, Tim? I do. Yeah. It, it, oh, playing, uh, wait, yeah, playing the you odds, do? I, I do. But, but here's the thing. And he had the five years taken away in his prime and all that, and I, I've already conceded. And I wouldn't even go near this. I'm not raising statistics. <laughs> That's a good argument against Ted Williams. It's not going to happen. Okay. Mine is probably and it's probably a parsing of words, okay? But the most prominent representative of Red Sox Nation in all of his greatness and all of the great moments, factoring in everything that we suffered through for so long. Yeah. He embodies all of it. And and was the fuel in 2013. I mean, that team it, I hate to say this, but the, I mean and I think we all think it and probably don't always say it, but that team doesn't win the World Series unless the marathon bombing happens. And they don't win the World Series unless they get galvanized. And the engine b- behind galvanizing them was David Ortiz. And you know more than anyone. Well, like I, I yeah, but it, you, as soon as as soon as 2007, Mikey, when the Patriots lost the undefeated season, I remember driving home with my uh, my dad, you know, from where we were watching the Super Bowl, and I wasn't even like all that bummed out because I I, I never thought I'd see the Red Sox <laughs> win two World Series, let alone win win a World Series, let alone two okay, at that but, point. But you're, and then, but you're getting away from the argument, though. The argument, and then the and then the Patriots have already won three. So, like, we've had so much glory the last twenty years. I get it, but you're talking like history the of the franchises as opposed to the players' record of of who's the greatest Red Sox player. You're getting away from the actual crux of the discussion. Yeah, right? but, that's, but that's but that's your argument. Well, your argument is a statistical argument. Like I, well, it, you put it this way. How do you how do you argue way. who's a greater way. baseball player? You have to use statistics, or you can't do it. All right. Well, okay. We can talk a little statistics. I mean, I, I wouldn't even Let's look at the, at the regular season. You get What about the fa- what about the postseason, Mike? To what, quote the great Herm Edwards, what you about play to it? win the game, right? Well, I know, but I told you, I just told you, Ted Williams had one chance to play in the postseason. He had a broken elbow. Yeah, I got you. I mean, I know. So I, I, how I read does, the how can you... hitting. I read the teammates. I know. I, I'm a historian myself. I could pop in and out of decades as fast as you can with the, with the history. But the reality is it happened. And it didn't, because of that, it didn't happen. He didn't get that chance. So, so, so the, who so had the... the mantle to have the opportunity to be more great? It's Ortiz. We... And who took advantage of the mantle? It was Ortiz. He did, but not to be the greatest. You, you, if you ask David Ortiz right now to swear to God on a sodium pentothal dose to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, who was a better Red Sox player, he'd say Ted Williams. Yeah, he would, and that would be humble. And he's probably he. Oh, so he, now he humility has right to figure in into of, this. In too. terms of just the player, but being a Red Sox fan and being Jim, a Red three forty-four different three forty-four. Three, oh, no. four, how about 289? Okay, that's only 55 points lower than Ted Williams' lifetime average. I understand that. And in, in the home runs, and you compare, you take out the five years, you put them back, Ted still has more home runs, more runs batted in, higher on base percentage, better slugging average. I, I, I don't understand how anybody he doesn't have can more say. Home runs. No, he, he he would if he if he if you put those. Oh okay. yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. he Poppy had five forty one, right? Yeah. Ted yep. had five twenty one. Yep. So twenty home runs. He missed five years because so G- of the Jim's wars. argument really comes down to kind of that the feeling of the trophy. Ortiz. The and trophy. Yeah, well, I mean, it came that, down and to that's, the trophy. I understand that. Let me that's give a you, fair let argument. Let me give you another. Let me give you another an, another way to say a couple of ways to say this. First of all, being the greatest clutch performer means something. I'm going to make a parallel. All right. Let's go. Let's look at like the Brady Manning argument as a parallel. 
there were people firmly in the camp that Manning was better. <laughs> I was never one of them. I suspect that the three other people in the studio right now were never one of them. Yeah. And I'd take Brady yeah. every day, all day. And at that point, when they were both playing, Manning had the stats. Eventually, Brady right. took it all. Right. But a better comparison to a guy like Ted Williams would be, you know, not disparaging the greatest hitter of all time. Yeah, would be like Dan Marino. Remember in the eighties, Dan Marino was the best quarterback. Well, he never won anything. No, I understand that. that. He He never won shit. He never won anything. But but listen, you're talking about the guy, Ted Williams. Okay, last man to hit 400. Uh, He hit a home home, hit a home run in his final at bat. I mean, that's like the that alone is unbelievable. Earlier in his career, he's winning triple crowns. Hit the most home runs by a player in his final season. He's winning triple. Jim, it's Ted fucking Williams. I know it is. Okay, just so I know you, it is. Okay, so I know it is. my closing we, we, argument would be, and I'm, it's I like you want to shit with the big dogs. Like, you got to have long his legs, head motherfucker. Still on, his, on his shoulders, that's important. <laughs> and he got shot. He still has his head on his shoulders. Anyway, <laughs> he didn't get shot when he was playing, and Ted Williams did in an airplane in a war. You know what I'm saying? Like this is I a, hear you. You Look can't. At, you can't do this. He's a mortal, Mikey. He's a mortal. Okay, and you you admit that he's the greatest hitter of all time. So wait. American Abe Lincoln and George you, Washington. You, you, but Jim. The greatest Red Jim, is Dan Jim. He's the guy No, you're full of shit. I love you, but you're full of shit. Let me just <laughs> tell you something. Shit. I know I'm full of shit, but okay. so are you. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You just said he's the greatest hitter of all time. Okay? No question. Okay. Unquestionable. David Ortiz. Never played in the field. He was a designated hitter. So would he be the he second? A little bit, Mikey. He played a little. Ten, 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 you're not going to throw on, his on, glove on, into this conversation. Made a hell of a play in the interleague against oh, Philly a few years ago. Come on. Ten percent of his games he played in the field. Ten yeah. percent. He played 260 games That's in the field nothing. of his 2000. I'm just telling you what that basically. So everyone knows exactly what if it Ted is. If Ted had been a DH, he would have had a longer career. He hit 388, won a batting title at the age of 39. He yeah. won a batting title, 388. If he'd had any legs at all left, he would have had 400 as a 39-year-old dude. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Let me ask you this. It's late and close. It's Game 7 of the World Series. It's all on the line. Yeah. Let's say you're down a run and one is yeah. on, two are out. Yeah. Who do you want at the play? Ted. Who do you take? I want Ted. He's 400. I'm taking, there's no way I'm taking Poppy out of that. We've, we've, we've got documentation. All right. All right. And you, it's no disrespect to Ted. I'm not taking David Ortiz out of that situation. No okay. way. But, Jim, uh, we, we have to go. You know, How about Bill and Ben? I want to hear what Bill and Ben have to say to that Tell him he lost, guys. Uh, tell, you, tell him. Yeah, yeah. He lost the conversation. It's uh, Ted I, listen, Williams. I, I don't – it doesn't Ooh. bother me as much as it bother, clearly bothers you two, but to me it, it is – It doesn't bother me at all. I just I just, hey, – I just I think it's – I mean, right. I'm going to share something lose, with you right Ted now. Williams. I don't lose. I'm going to share something. Williams. I've met them. I want to know who, I, I I would know who hedge, Bill and Ben – I want to know who Bill and Ben wanted to play. I would hedge towards Ted Williams. it's late and close with it all on the line. Listen, who would, you, who would I rather have is, as you acknowledge, the greatest hitter who ever lived. Yeah. Let me just and I understand what you're saying. And David Ortiz had a tremendous amount of – Big hits in the postseason, but we all acknowledge the greatest hitter who ever lived. You don't want that Wins. guy up. Wins. I'm going to take the. I'm going to take what I, I'm going to take what my eyes have shown me over Ortiz's career, not only in the postseason, the regular season, but in the postseason. I'm taking that money, and maybe I've been watching Boston sports too long, and I watched the Red Sox for too long. But I'll take the money in the bank on that. You one. need cataract surgery <laughs> if that's what you're seeing. Here, here's the thing. I, I, listen, I, 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 I met both of these guys. And I asked them both. Okay, I asked yeah. Poppy. I said, David, who's the greatest uh, Red Sox of all time? He said, Oh, Ted Williams. I asked Ted Williams. I said, Ted, who's the greatest Red Sox of all time? He said, 
Ted Williams. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. It's unanimous. Jimmy, thanks for joining us on this. Hey, evening. thanks for having me, guys. You're a fun. nut. Thanks, Jim. To good to talk we to you, still like you a lot, even though you're a knucklehead. Love you, man. See if you want more bad tweets, uh, go to at WEI Hacksaw. You know what to find. Yeah, I'm, I'm, follow, I'm following you that all along. Jim Hackett, everybody. He's a uh, he's re- partly responsible for the uh, success of Mike Mutnansky. I mean, his argument only comes down to feeling. Yeah, it's always, it's always, I get, and who doesn't it's a good love argument, David Ortiz? It, it, even though it's invalid, because Ted Williams is clearly the answer <laughs> to the question. There's no, there's no question about. That. I'm a Ted guy, by the way. In case um, I know Jim wanted to know how I felt. My dad used to drive, walk over from Northeastern University uh, and watch Ted play afternoon games and keep score. He kept score at every game. You know, he gave me a, a box score that he filled out. It was a double header. And Ted Williams was seven, uh, six for eight in the doubleheader with two, dub- uh, two doubles, a homer, and, and the rest singles. And I thought, I, when I, he gave it to me, and I was like, wow, look at this, 1947 maybe or something yeah. like that. I said, this is, this is a great little look at what Ted Williams was in a doubleheader, six hits, and a walk. Unbelievable. You know what uh, game my great-grandfather was at? Um, Game three, 1932 World Series. Wow. Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth called, called shot. shot. Wow. My grandfather still has the ticket stuff. They should sell it to you. I give it to you. You <laughs> can give it. it to me, not yeah. sell and it You to can me. sell it. I don't have that kind of scratch. Probably yeah. worth a million dollars. I did a called shot myself one time. I was in a bar. I go, yeah, tequila, please. That's the joke. It's not a joke. <laughs> it's not a joke. It's an actual. It actually happened. Okay. Now I got a list of things that pissed me off, but they're funny, so don't get don't get too shook. We'll there. be the judge of whether it's funny or not. I'm so a, a ticket stub of that up for sale for ten grand. Well, you're gonna get that thing. I, we got to get that. Well, get buy, that. You could buy an electric car. Um, I was eating for. Uh, some frosted Cheerios the other night. I eat cereal every night before bed. Yeah. And I was eating frosted Cheerios and I thought, well, but frosted Cheerios. Didn't they used to have Frostios? Remember they had a cereal called Frostios? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were, in essence, the same thing. They were frosted it, Cheerios. Yeah, that's right. What made them change the name from Frostios to Frosted Cheerios? Isn't that kind of unnecessary? Might have been some legal wrangling of well. Uh, but Frostios were around forever. Uh, while you're at it, you know, maybe you call up some uh, some old commercials from from cereal because I know them all. Uh, look for rice crinkles. Rice crinkles. Oh my God! It's the most racist commercial. But back then, it wasn't considered that. No, it was a, there was a little um, lack of a better word. Oriental guy on the box. Yes. I, I don't. I don't know if he's Japanese, Korean. I don't know. An Asian man. Uh, no, you have you to put in, put in rice crinkles commercial. Okay, put that in because if you if we can find that, yes. you won't believe the shit they used to put on the air in the fifties and sixties. Uh, it's K R I A a K R I N K rice crinkles K L E S. There you go. Oh, here it is. Look, see. Oh, oh I just knocked over my oh, tea. Geez, he knocked over the. Put tea. the black and white one on. This is an Asian. So I have exciting story to tell about beautiful new Ford Mustang car. No. And inside car, 
boy and mother and shopping bag. What year was this? 65. Wow. Wow, 65. Rice crinkles. I box a post rice crinkles? Wow, Mom, boy, oh boy. There's a Mustang car inside the rice crinkles. Oh, no, dear. The rice crinkles are inside our Mustang. But there is a stupid. Anyway, but. Rice wow, crinkles. That's some racist shit right there. <laughs> Holy fuck. Yeah, yeah. There, there's some, uh, that, those were, that was really good cereal. Yep, Madison Ave back in the 60s. I don't know what they did. They added some special. It was really, really Crack. good. But they had, it was clearly a demeaning ad for Asian folks. <laughs> yeah, no shit. But in the old days, and then they have they had cuckoo for cocoa puffs. Yep. They've that, had that forever. But yeah. you know, that, that's the thing about people with disability, they're cuckoo. They're, you know, they're, they're insane or what have you. Uh, Play this black and white one here of, of post rice crinkles. This is this is and when it's in black and white, it's really really bad and it's, old. Yeah, and very old. <laughs> yeah. Okay, ready? No, Do they have some a commercial? Dumbass ads gonna play first. Hold on. Right, just hit hit the four and a half minute ad to play a thirty second clip. Here we go. Now you get rickshaw runner completely free inside every box of post rice crinkles. So I say. Rice that is crinkled is sweetest to eat because it's crinkled with sugar, and sugar is sweet. Now, what you say? Same as you. Crinkles are crinkly and sweetest to eat because they're... Crinkled. Crinkled. Crinkled with sugar and sugar is sweet. Ah, so... Ah, so... Oh, man. You see what I'm God, saying? It's clearly like a seven-year-old white woman doing the voice, too. Rice <laughs> <laughs> nice crinkles are sweet with sugar. I mean, what are they doing there? It's a, anyway, but I do love the, the cereal. They don't make them anymore, rice crinkles. I wish they did. They were great. Some Madison Ave guy said, I got it. We got rice. Yeah. We need a Chinese guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Young friends, this is a cuckoo bird. Pop, pop, cocoa pops. Yum, yum, yum. Pop. Want to have some fun? <laughs> Watch. <laughs> Oh, All right. Because I'm cuckoo. <laughs> now this guy should be in, in one flew over the cuckoo's nest with uh, with Jack Nicholson, but the, you know they, they're making fun of basically disabled people. That's right. And all of these, it's all about cereal commercials. They're getting people at a young age to to latch on to this stuff. It's like the Frito Bandito, the Mexican. I mean, they made fun of. I can't believe the advertising has has, uh, has has come this far. I'm really happy. Now they should have a new cereal. I think a new cereal. Yeah, uh, you know they put everything in cereal now. Blueberries. Hello, boys and girls. No. It's me, the Frito Bandido. <laughs> there it is. You know what I heard about you? What? I heard you want to be a Frito Bandido like me. You're a gringo. You too. Then you must sing the Bandido song. Let's sing together. Okay. You just follow the bounce. Ready? Frito scorchy. No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am the Frito Bandito. Okay, that's <laughs> so, because uh, because they do, they put marshmallows now. Have you seen the uh, Lucky Charms? They have everything in it. They oh, they're magically everything. delicious. That's right. They I hate Lucky blueberries, Charms. and they put chocolate now and almonds. So there's special K with everything you possibly mm. add to it. I think they should uh, have a new cereal called. Dingleberries. Dingleberries. Mm. Yeah, they taste like shit. Oh man! What do you think? People would people would buy them and just say, "I got to try these. This is funny." Dingleberries. Anyway, that would like be our shit. next sponsor. Speaking of sponsors, well, my, something that tastes really good is my grandma's coffee cake. Call one eight hundred eight Grandma. And don't forget MikeStacyGolf.com for your golf lessons. Right. I'm going up there uh, fr- Friday. 
for a lesson. We're right. also brought to you by Flutie Flakes. Flutie Flakes. Remember those? Yes. <laughs> I think I still have a box somewhere. Um, so, yeah, Dingleberries, they'll be the next sponsor. And Billy Beer. I've got a can of Billy Beer. Yeah, Billy uh, Carter, yeah. Jimmy Carter's yeah. brother who yeah. pissed on his foot at the airport. Remember? <laughs> yeah. The president's brother, we thought Hunter was bad, doing crack and with crack with hookers and whores. Billy Carter was a drunk in an airport and pulled it out and peed on his own foot because he couldn't get to the bathroom in time. Wasn't uh, Bill Clinton's brother a fuck-up, too? Yep. Yeah, drug addict. Yeah. Roger? Is that his name? Roger Clinton. I think it was, yeah. And we are ripping the shit out of everybody, huh? Jeez, I'm telling you. But, you know, well, I do like Jim Hackett. He's a, he's a good guy. He is a good guy. Yeah. So anything I said bad about him, like he's full of shit or whatever, you know, it's true. He did uh, he did get in the ring with you, though. You guys went toe-to-toe. Uh, -to -toe. It was pretty good. You guys... Uh, I want to discuss this. This is a cra you know how I have those ESPN moments. ESP, I mean, <laughs> yes. in my head. I was watching a movie on uh, Turner Classic Movies, maybe or on Netflix. It might have been The Dirty Dozen. Ooh, now the old movie, the nineteen sixty seven. That's one with Lee Marvin and those guys. Oh, that go, yes. Go ahead. Yes, the cast of that movie was unbelievable. Perfect, Tell and us it was in Technicolor, yeah. so it was fun to watch too. Listen to this, and there's a, you know, I have that that secret birthday ESP surreal speaking to other other people. You have a series of strange coincidences. Don't don't play that yet because you're going to know the cast members before I even say them. Ah, stop. Okay, it's still playing, but now I can't see it. Lee Marvin, born February nineteenth, nineteen twenty four. He was born under a wandering February star. 19th is my birthday. Thank you. 1924, exactly 30 years before me. Mm -hmm. He was he was having his 30th birthday when I was uh, exiting the womb, so to speak. He was probably entering a womb. Now, so I had this thing. I I, I related to this movie, and I, I said, i got to look at this. I never look at IMDb or anything. I looked at all the cast member. I say, oh, February 19th, that's my birthday. You know, he died at age 63. He also won a Purple Heart in World War II. And you know how he died? No. Heart attack. Lee Marvin. Purple Heart, heart attack, Lee Marvin, my birthday. Gruff. Gruff tough. tough Lee Marvin. He was born under a wandering star. Wasn't you know who, that him? You know what other tough guy was in that movie? Telly Savalas. Charles Bronson. Oh, yes. Born November 3rd, 1921. Paul Kersey. Dwight Evans' birthday. Oh. <laughs> I though. thought there was going to be something like your brother's birthday. His, I was like they're all lined up with your family. It was weird. on Charles Bronson's thirtieth birthday, just like Lee Marvin when I was born. As thirty, but it was when Dwight Evans was born. So Charles Bronson, who died at the age of eighty-one, he clearly outlasted Lee Marvin as a tough guy. And of course, Death Wish. Yeah. Did you know that Charles Bronson was one of fifteen children? Jesus. No. I clearly his mother was anti-abortion. <laughs> she was busy. Uh, and with with his death, with Robert, with uh, Charles Bronson's death, August thirtieth, which is my sister's birthday. Seriously, yes, two thousand three. Who became the last surviving actor to be in one of the title characters of The Magnificent Seven? Robert Vaughn. Remember my story about Robert yeah. Vaughn, the man from Uncle. Don't talk about isn't the man that from great? Uncle. Yeah, that all ties in. Now, also in in the movie uh, The Dirty Dozen, James uh, Jim Brown. Yep, that's right. Not James Brown, the singer. Jim Brown, the running back. Big Jim Brown. The running back. Maybe the greatest running back of all time. I think most the people do, do say that. Yeah. Now, do you have any idea 
Jim uh, Hackett may not say that. What Jim Brown's <laughs> birthday is. February 19th. Oh, oh close. February 17th. Oh. And wait. Do you know who else was born on February 17th? The greatest basketball player of all time. So the greatest football player, February 17th, 1936, Jim Brown. Michael Jordan was born on February 17th. So you got the greatest in two sports, both with the same birthday? That's quite the link. God is a sports fan. I really do. Let's ask him. Hey, God, are you a sports fan? Shut up. (laughs) Okay, also in that movie, George Kennedy. What was he famous for? Uh, Naked Gun. Naked Gun and? Filed from the police squad. Uh, and f- Naked Gun, and what else was he in? I don't know. Uh, Paul Newman movie? The Hustler? Cool Hand cool Lou. Oh, that's yeah, that's right. right. Cool Hand Lou. You know what his birthday is? February, February 18th. Yes. Oh, my God. February 18th, 1925. John Travolta's so birthday. I'm, I'm hitting this boom, boom. Is that right? Is it Travolta's birthday? Yes. Ah, God, I remember that. that story. So... I can but no, but, but when I so here I am thinking I, I never go to IMDb. I go on all these Don't people have February seventeenth, February nineteenth, February eighteenth. All what? What's going on here? Uh, by the way, George Kennedy lived to be ninety-one years old, yep. and he was in every western ever made, <laughs> wasn't he? Yes. All right, Telly Savalas, you mentioned him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Telly Savalas was born January twenty-first, nineteen twenty-two. Which is one twenty one twenty two. That's the that's the date. Yes. My dad was born one twenty two twenty three. My dad. Uh, now, do you know what date Telly Savalas died? January twenty second, the day after his birthday. One twenty two. On my father's birthday, Telly Savalas, that bald headed shit. You know, <laughs> one one time I saw I went to a, a Hollywood museum, and they had a, a display. It was Telly Savalas's dick in a five-quart <laughs> pickle jar. No. Yeah. <laughs> Should have seen it. It was unbelievable. No. He, uh, he died of prostate, prostate cancer. Oh. Uh, he was Kojak. Ouch. Yeah, lollipop-sucking good detective. Yep. Remember? He was tough. Clint Walker, who was Cheyenne Bodie. Yep. He was in that movie. Uh, Ernest Borgnine. Ernest Borgnine uh, was born on January 24th in Hamden, Connecticut, 1917, mm-hmm. and he'd lived to be 95. Wow. And they had him on one of the morning talk shows. I don't know if it was, you, it was a, a Good Morning America or something, and he's on there, and they said, well, how do you, what do you attribute you know, your long life to? And he said to the lady who was the host, I can't remember which one it was, he said, I masturbate a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he said that on national TV at age 90 or oh, something. You can get away with that. I thought it was one of the greatest things ever. Other people in, this, in that movie, what a cast. Yeah. Trini Lopez. Yep. If I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the morning. Uh, John Cassavetes, who was uh, Rosemary's baby's dad. Yep. The baby dad of the, of the, of the devil. In, uh, and he, he, uh, he's been dead for a long time. He died at age 59. Yeah. Uh, and Robert Ryan. You know who else was in that movie? No. Donald Sutherland. That's right. He who's still alive. Played a kind of a goofy guy. Yeah. Yep. He's 87 years old. Wow. So isn't that... I mean, So I'm watching this movie, and it just came to me. This is an unbelievable cast of movie tough guys or bad guys mm-hmm. or, you know, great, future greats. Dirty Dozen, yep. 1967. Cheeseball and corny, but great. Sure. Yep. Well, in 1967, wow. everything was she kind of cheeseball, corny, too sir with love. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it didn't well, get good till like the French Connection, but, oh, gritty, man. real French Connection. Popeye Doyle. There was a, a porn version of that. Oh, uh, what a chase scene that was! Yeah. It was called French Erection. Seriously, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm kidding, of course. 
Now, I was going to um, uh, discuss this a little bit with Jim Hackett, but he, he jumped out of here too early. What do you have? Uh, I'm looking at the Red Sox right now. By the way, the trading deadline went by. Yes, sir. And the catcher is gone. Christian yeah. Vasquez. Wow. Too bad. They're cleaning people out. Why do they do that? Well, they're they're having a they're in the selling mode. I mean, they're they're Not really. 18 behind the Yankees. Uh, and, and they didn't really August. sell though. So they brought in Eric Hosmer, so they, they didn't have anything to they, sell. They didn't have a first baseman, so you basically flipped a catcher for a first baseman with the same production. They're basically the same exact production so far this year. Uh, but think about he, he had clutch hits. You know, I like that. Let's get Jim Hackett back in here. I wish they didn't get rid of uh, I, I love Vasquez. <laughs> I know. And I, I really thought did. he did a pretty good job. And, and now he's going, who's playing up? Ploiecki? Oh, God. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, Casey Stengel once said to this is I love Casey Stengel stories. Casey Stengel, the manager of the Yankees, once sat down next to the on the bench next to Bob Serve, who was like a reserve outfielder on the Yankees. He sat down next to him on the bench and he said, nah, nobody knows this, but uh, one of us just got traded to Kansas City. <laughs> Which is just beautiful. It's a one of us. One of us just got traded. <laughs> Casey, God love you. But I, pitchers are the worst uh, investment in all of baseball. I, I look at these, all the guys the Red Sox have spent so much money on, and I, I mean I'm talking serious money more than anybody. And bolstering a pitching staff. This is over the last few years. Think about it. David Price, useless piece of shit. <laughs> Uh, Evaldi's been injured. I mean, I liked him when he's in there. Yeah, but David Price was great because he came and clutched that one time. Uh, Nathan Evaldi. That one time. Yeah, we were like, well, you know, he was great. They wouldn't have won the World Series without him. I was like, yeah, but he was dog shit in the rest of the playoffs. Yep. Every exactly. other year, like, and, 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 and he the, was a mediocre regular season pitcher. He was a terror, and he was an asshole to our to our good buddy Eck. <laughs> Evaldi uh, has been, you know, when he's in there, he looks impressive at times in the Yankee game. But guess what? He's been hurt almost all the time he's been with the club, and they paid him a lot of money, didn't they? Yes. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. I mean, he's shit right now. He went to Detroit. He can't even pitch at all. He's mental. Something <laughs> he went disappeared. Something <laughs> happened to the guy, and they were all prepared to give him big money, and they actually gave him a contract. But he, again, pitcher, pitcher, pitcher. How about Chris Sale? With, with all due respect for what he can do, he's been shit as far as being worth the money. Thirty million a year. Yeah. Injury. How about Rick Porcello? He had one good year, and then he sucked. They should so, judge a salary by the uh, by the performance of the year. And at the end of the year, wherever they came in, according to their stats and then where the, the team places, that should determine their salary performance. Yeah, well, right. And, yeah. and, and if I don't mind someone getting a big fat base, you know, let's say oh, you ten million a year, and then if you win twenty games, it's another ten million or whatever. You know, make it all like incentive based. Yeah, because. You think they try a little harder if that was the well, case? Well, you sign a pitcher for five years, you're lucky you get two good years out of him. Unless you're talking about a Scherzer or a Verlander or somebody like that, uh, you're, you're really screwing yourself to to commit heavy to pitchers. Well, Verlander's a complete freak show, especially what he's doing right now at he forty. Is. Like, right. there's, you're right. Though. I mean, Scherzer's been worth the money through his contracts up until now, uh, but. Most of the time, when you look at these pitchers, you kind of look at it a six-year run. Right. And after that, it's quickly diminishing returns. When I say Bill Lee's name, and he won 17 games, three consecutive years, 51 games in three years, what would that command in today? A left-handed starter who never gets hurt, who, uh, who wins 17 games every season, what would that get? And can play hurt. Would that get $25 million a year, at least? Oh, yeah. You know what the most Bill Lee ever made in a, in a baseball season was? $250,000. $275,000. Really? That was it? That was the highest he ever got paid. Wow. Isn't that unbelievable? 
Uh, and, you know, Nolan Ryan, the first guy to be a million-dollar-a-year million, million player, uh, you know, he ended up being way worth it. He, he still had four more no-hitters left in him. <laughs> you know, it's unbelievable. But I, I say, in, in general, if the Red Sox could do one thing smart, don't throw all the stress on the pitchers. Look at the guys that are doing best for them right now. Who's that relief, uh, reliever that's doing great? Um, uh he just pitched last night, too. He, he, they, they, get, they get these guys for nothing, and they emerge as uh, as as stars. Anyway, that's how I feel about it. Well, that was good. Put the money into the players. Mm-hmm. They're going to be around every day. Rafael Devers, pay the guy. He plays well, every I, I have a theory. I don't know if I've told you about this before, what's going on, why they're you know reluctant to pay certain people and everything like that. I think within the next five years, they're trying to get out. They're trying to sell the Red Sox. I think they're trying to get into the NBA. Either buy a team or so have LeBron the next, will be happy as a have the next expansion. Well, because the NBA, you know, the minute LeBron retires, they're going to want him involved like Jordan and part ownership of a team with a you know solid ownership group. I think they're going to sell this team within the next five years. They're going to try and get into the NBA because the NBA is growing globally and baseball is shrinking. That means we're going to still be beholden to China. You know, I I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm a little. You know, LeBron can. Well, that's not the only place it's growing. No, but that's we're the one that pays the most. Yeah. You you know what LeBron can do unbelievably well. LeBron can do a lot of things. Yep. He he self self uh, uh, aggrandizes Mm -hmm. very well. He invests his money very well. He does. Um, He changes teams very well. And he can also mm-hmm. kiss my ass. Have, have you watched very uh, well? Because I don't like him. Any of the episodes of Ted Lasso with uh, Jason Sudeikis? Yeah, I only yeah. saw the pilot or it's, the first episode. It's actually pretty damn good, and uh, that's one of uh, LeBron's investments there. It is. Yeah. Well, the fact that he's involved with the Red Sox troubles me oh, yeah. deeply because I'm not a big uh, LeBron fan. I think he's a joker. Oh, did I say joker? You did say joker. We got a couple jokers coming in here right now. We're talking about Joe and Jerry to close out this wonderful podcast, gentlemen. Are you excited? Joe and Jerry. Imagine that. Oliver. What what is this, Ben? What are you what are you having? An error of ben, ben, are you okay? Ben has one I'm good. job. I'm good. What are you Joe, talking about? Jerry, it's fine. Get in here. It's fine. Now some people call me the space cowboy. Yeah. Some call me the gangster of love. Some people call you Maurice, Joe. Because I speak of the pompatus of love. What the hell's a pompatus? People talk about me, baby. They say I'm doing you wrong. Doing you wrong. It's kind of repetitious. Don't you worry, baby. Don't worry about it. Because I'm right here. I'm right here at home, Joe. That's yours. I'm a picker. I'm a grinner. I'm a lover. And I'm a sinner. I play my music in the sun. And in the bathroom. I'm a joker. I'm a smoker. I'm a midnight toker. Only the good stuff. I get my lovin' on the run. At least you don't get the runs in your lovin'. This is me on guitar, by the way, True. You can really wail on that thing, aren't you? You're a guitar guy, huh? Oh, yeah. Don't fret about it. You can use that as a pickup line. Unless she's high-strung. That's good, True. 
You're the cutest thing that I ever did see. Because I haven't been many places. I really love your peaches and I want to shake your tree. Nice pits. Lovey dovey, lovey dovey, lovey dovey all the time. I got that pit joke, Joe. A little fuzzy on that one. Peach jokes. <laughs> you fruit. Because I'm a picker and I'm a grinner. I'm a lover and I'm a sinner. Play my music in the sun. Can you believe it? I'm a joker. I'm a smoker. I'm a midnight toker. I think I really have the runs. The Hershey squirts, Joe.